Alrighty, this is going to be a special episode of The Rap Report. This was recorded while we were at G3, the conference down in Atlanta, Georgia. Grabbed some different people that we are friends with and some folks we met down there, did some interviews, and you will get to hear some of them. We will start with the most heated debate. Uh, between me and Les Lansphere, a Presbyterian, over the topic of baptism. There's going to be tons of misrepresentation and insults thrown, maybe. After that, we're going to have a great ministry, Sports Fan Outreach International. We're going to get to hear about them, what they're doing, and I do encourage you to make sure you listen to that so that you know to to sign up for the Super Bowl outreach. That's what's coming your way right now on The Rap Report. Welcome to The Rap Report with Andrew Rappaport, where we provide biblical interpretations and applications this is a ministry of Striving for Eternity and the Christian Podcast Community. For more content or to request a speaker for your church, go to strivingforeternity.org. Alright, so now we're actually recording with uh, <laughs> Les Lansphere down here at G3. We, had, we just had a great discussion on baptism and everyone missed it because the um, card was protected and it wasn't recording. Yeah, that's the plight of a podcaster. Yeah, so it, it was great. We, let's not even repeat it. We'll just let everyone. Uh, yeah, judge what... for yourselves. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we, we, you, you and I were in a in a thread back and forth. We uh, were saying we we're both coming down here. G three got into. I forget if it started on baptism, and then somehow you and I are joking around because we never actually joke around ever. <laughs> you and I. But uh, we said we will come down to debate baptism. You reminded me of it. I actually forgot that we were going to do that. Yeah, I can never pass up an opportunity to debate baptism. <laughs> so, so let's start. You're you're Presbyterian. I am. I would be biblical. And <laughs> <laughs> yes, because believers should be baptized. That is true. You're halfway so, there. Yeah. So let's start with that, and that's what we were discussing. So, um, let's start with the, the Presbyterians. Believe it or not. But this will be news to some Baptists. You and I both agree an adult believer gets saved, he should get... <clears throat> yeah, baptized. Because, like, you know, the, the biblical example, especially, you know, the clearest one, Acts 2, Peter is preaching the gospel. All these people say, what must we do to be saved? Peter says, repent, believe, uh, be baptized. You'll receive the Holy Spirit. Um and then he says some other things about children, but, uh, but so that, but no, that's the that's the idea. Yeah, if, if a person repents and believes, that then they would outwardly demonstrate that through a profession of faith, uh, that person should be baptized. And that's one thing a lot of people don't that are not Presbyterian have not spoken to Presbyterian, studied anything of the Westminster, don't realize that Presbyterians believe in the believer's baptism. That's a. I don't think I've. I've seen that much. I, I, I have heard that that exists that people like don't that they don't think they actually baptize believers. But what a crazy thing to think. <laughs> where, where would that even come from? That you wouldn't like. So what if what if somebody converts as an adult? Yeah. Would, do they actually assume that Presbyterians wouldn't baptize I, them? I, I think what truthfully what I think it is is there's there's a bunch of people that because they only debate Presbyterians on infant baptism. Yeah. They think as if that's the only thing. So I I think they hmm. don't even think about the fact yeah it's not that they they just never gave it any thought right 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 
So, so let's talk as we were before. We realized we weren't recording. Yeah. <laughs> so, when we look at, we get an adult guy's in his 30s he comes to your your church he has just gotten saved he wants to get baptized immersion or no um mode i think i'm even less concerned with mode than uh some other presbyterians but the westminster uh makes it a point to say that both sprinkling and pouring are acceptable modes um and it doesn't actually exclude um, it doesn't say anything about, you know, the person should not be immersed. Uh, but, but they do say it doesn't have to be immersion. Uh, so they say the two modes that are preferred, and then they say the one mode that isn't, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that mode. So I would say through that language, um, I think the Westminster actually uh, says that immersion is acceptable. Um, so, uh, but I think the preferred mode for uh, Pado-Baptist typically is sprinkling or pouring. That's actually the verse from the Didache, which because <laughs> Didache would actually say immersion was preferred, but it allowed for uh, pouring or sprinkling. Right, right, right. Which, right. which actually on the uh, our apologetics live that we do with Matt Slick and I, mm-hmm. we had a Catholic come in and make that argument that the Didache proved. Um, you know, you know, he didn't get into it, he's, but he said it proves the Catholic Church on baptism. Yeah, well, everything and, proves the Catholic Church if you're Catholic. Yeah, well, the thing, so they're going to actually, uh, while we're here at G3, Matt's going to debate this guy on it. Mm. And the thing I think is going to be so funny is Matt and I talked about it, and, and Matt's like, I wonder if the guy realizes that he's going to argue for sprinkling, and I'm going to agree with him as a Presbyterian. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. And what's he going to say then? Because it's like, yeah, yeah, the the Didache supports Presbyterianism. What do yeah. you do now? <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, and I, I've always heard that Baptists are, uh, you know, they they care a lot about immersion, uh, and that's the only valid mode. Uh, but then I actually, like, in real life, was debating with the Baptist uh, who wants to join uh, the church, you know, that I'm a member of. And uh, we were having discussions about this stuff, and he's like serious that it has to be immersion. And that's even when, even when I was a Baptist, it never like I never cared. I, I was like, well, it should be, well, but you know. I'm more wondering if a guy is that big on the mode of baptism. Mm-hmm. Why is he joining a Presbyterian church? He just, he's going to yeah. have a he's going to have a whole lot of other issues. Well, he's he's walked out of the room when we've done infant baptism, so you know he's he's sort of he loves the church, but he sort of wants to be consistent with the things that he believes are you know ultimately sinful, and that's something I think could be mentioned um, that. Uh, you know, we throw around things being sinful a lot, and a lot of people get super offended by that. But uh, so my position is that to withhold baptism from your child uh, is a sin, and I think it would be completely consistent for a Baptist to say, when I baptize my infant, I'm in sin because I'm doing something the Lord hasn't commanded. So, but that doesn't mean we have, we have to have to like throw each other out of the kingdom or anything. Like there are sins of omission and sins of ignorance. And you know, that's a part of life. I know that I have sins of ignorance. I just don't know which ones they are. Right. <laughs> well, and I think, I think this is the thing that a lot of people don't realize. You, you would say that I, me withholding baptism would be a sin for me to do that to my right. children. And I would say for you to do that to your children wouldn't be right. I, you know, but yet we can still sit here and have a conversation. Yeah. Crazy yeah. idea. Yeah. Well, there are varying degrees of sin, too. You know, yeah. that, that should be said. So uh, there are heretics that you probably shouldn't. There's some, some conversations that, that would be inappropriate in certain contexts. Um, but, uh, but, but, yeah, I mean, 
Reformed Baptists and Presbyterians, we're brothers in ways that, you know, a lot of people, you know, very few disagreements um, are, can still have that sort of uh, unity. I think I think the real issue is that for a lot of people, they cannot accept someone having a view different than their own. And that's why they get it. Everything has to be, you must agree with me. And it's like, you know what? There's going to be areas in your theology that you're wrong. Mm-hmm. There's areas in my theology that I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Neither one of us know where those are because right. if we did, I think we'd both be intellectually honest and we'd change it. Right, exactly. But the issue is is that for many people, they cannot accept that they could be wrong in their theology anywhere. And so every every single point of theology must be fought tooth and nail. Yeah. And that becomes the problem. So I have an interest. So you we you said earlier that you uh, you come at this issue of baptism from a more Jewish perspective. Yeah. And I feel like uh, that's my biggest uh, thing is that I feel like it's consistent with the way Judaism worked out that we would be baptizing infants. So uh, why don't you explain yeah, so, sort of how how would you feel it's consistent with a Jewish worldview? Well, see, my my view ends up being a little different in the sense that. You know, I'm going to go to. I'm not going to see baptism, water baptism, as the sign of the covenant. That's mm-hmm. where I make that distinction, right? So, I'm going to look at Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 36, um, where he's talking to the new covenant, and the new covenant is the Holy Spirit will indwell us. Yep. So I'm going to take that the sign of the covenant as the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that spirit baptism. Therefore, I see that as individual. Do you believe that? Uh, individuals in the Old Testament that were regenerated, did they were they indwelt by the Spirit? I think that there were times that they could be for leadership. In other words, we see the Holy Spirit, you know, coming upon Saul, mm-hmm. but also departing from Saul. Okay, but you do believe that people were saved in the Old Testament? Yes. And you believe they were regenerated necessarily, since total depravity is true, and you have to yep. you need a new heart. Was and we. I think that regeneration could be synonymous with, well, obviously the new birth, but that's also the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In so the when the Holy Testament, Spirit comes I, I agree in, with that. so you think, I, I so do, how, I how did regeneration work in the Old Testament? Yeah, so I agree with that for the New Testament. In the Old Testament, I think that when we look at the passage, especially in Ezekiel, looking at the New Covenant, the promise is that the Holy Spirit would indwell us. We would no longer need a priest to tell us God's word. The Spirit would dwell and. And tell so so. There's definitely a difference there. Yeah. So, but 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 what does it mean to be born again in the Old Testament? I, I think, and there we don't have the clarity hmm. that we have in the New. Okay. That's one thing that we we have to be honest about is that the Old Testament focused more nationally, and so what you end up seeing is more of discussion of the nation. And, and you and I talked about this before we were recording, right? That we we see that take Old Testament Israel, there was saved Israel, mm-hmm. the elect, right. and then there's Israel that's national Israel, but they're not elect. Right, like Romans 9. Yeah. Yep. And so now you would end up seeing the same thing with that baptism, and this is something for Baptists to realize that you would take that same view in the New Testament, and you look at baptism and go, here we have a child is, is baptized, brought into the covenant. Bringing in that covenant doesn't mean they're saved, and that's something that some Baptists, because they think they think of baptism as an outward experience of an inward event. Right. 
therefore they're, they look at that and say, well, you're saying they're saved already? Right. And then some get get confused because there's there are some Presbyterians that hold to this and some that don't, that if a child that's baptized dies before an age of reconciliation, they go to heaven, where some believe that if they're they're not, they either don't know what happens to it or say they're not going to heaven. So you're... I did, the the uh, what you're saying about regeneration mm-hmm. probably working differently in the old in the Old Testament. Uh, that's that's your dispensationalism showing, right? No, I, I don't know. Or, that's it, uh, I, I, that's yeah, an honest yeah, yeah. question. No, no, I, I don't know, and I think I I don't know that I, I really I, everyone pegs me as the dispensationalist. Oh, I'm not and trying I, to be no, 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 offensive I at all. I don't actually fit perfectly in that camp, yeah, yeah. camp anyway. But but here's would that, I, it would, the only reason be somewhat, I ask is would, because uh, so from a Presbyterian view, we would say that the covenant of grace mm-hmm. began at Genesis three and ran through the entire so Old would you, Testament. Would you see the Holy Spirit indwelling? All believers, even in the Old Testament. Yeah, I, so I think I think when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus and explaining what it means to be born again, um, Nicodemus was supposed to understand that, um, and Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Um, so there's this information. The information him was, names. <laughs> the information was was available to them. So I think that the New Testament gives us clarity on the workings of the way the Spirit was always working, but now we have it to be understood and we can actually teach it to one another. We can actually understand the way the Holy Spirit regenerates. Um, and there's a pervasiveness in the New Covenant that wasn't there in the Old. So so when you look at the church, you basically assume all of these, you know, the visible church, when you go into church every, on, on Sunday, you look around, these people are saved. These people are, you know, they're mm-hmm. professing faith. Their sins are forgiven, as far as I know. Um, whereas I think with with uh, Judaism, it it wasn't so pervasive to say these people are their sins are actually we, forgiven. Yeah, we, we wouldn't. Jewish people would not speak that way. Yeah, and we wouldn't talk about their being believers or unbelievers. Mm-hmm. In Judaism, it's like if you're Jewish, you're instantly going to heaven. Mm-hmm. One of the hardest things witnessing to a Jewish person is is you got to get them lost. Yeah. The the thing though is is we wouldn't. Um, we wouldn't see that distinction that we end up seeing in the New Testament. So, and we also would look at it, right? The sacrifices that were done; those sacrifices really point to a future thing. Sure. So, do the sacrifices provide atonement? Well, Leviticus clearly says they make atonement, right? And yet, that atonement really is foreshadowed in what is to come. Right. So, so there's there we do see those differences. Yeah. And and so I think I think that redemption in the Old Testament, you had someone that that believed, uh, they put trust in God. God brought them to a point where they came to repentance, the same way you and I would. Mm-hmm. But instead of putting repentance and turning and trusting in Christ, they're trusting in the sacrifice, or or some are realizing that points to the Messiah. Right. But I think what you you don't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Because I think that was a future thing, and where I would see an issue then, if he was the same, what do we do with something where we see Saul being the Spirit coming upon Saul, yeah. and then leaving? Did Saul lose his salvation then? That becomes well, a tricky thing. Well, I just think that there's, you know, we can have category, and that's that's one of the biggest things for for Presbyterians is, is having this idea of sometimes the scriptures. So, you know, one of the one of the the big issues is that uh, I'm a Calvinist. 
Uh, I believe. <laughs> I believe. I, I, I thought you just did the movie on Calvinism <laughs> because you were to mock it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I believe in perseverance of the saints, which essentially means you can't lose your salvation. If God regenerates you and gives you the gift of faith, you will operate in faith, and He will carry you through to the end. So you can't lose your salvation, but. I think there are verses, even in the New Testament, that basically say you can lose your salvation. Um, like talking about falling away from grace, or being severed from Christ, or trampling underfoot the blood of the covenant by which you were sanctified. That's that's some crazy, heavy language. So, so I just don't think it's talking to believers in those. I think it's talking to false converts. Well, <laughs> well, so... But 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 think about that language though. Falling yeah. from grace, being severed from Christ, trampling underfoot the blood of the covenant by which you were sanctified. Yes. So I believe some of my warning passages as well. I think. Well, well, I think a warning needs an actual audience to to be meaningful. So I can hear those warnings, and they don't. That doesn't mean I, if I'm truly regenerated, I can actually lose my salvation. Mm-hmm. But there's sort of an experience of losing what appeared to be salvation, right? So. Presbyterians are very. Uh, I, I feel like the big benefit of, of Presbyterianism is that we have now have categories to say there's a visible church, just like there was a visible Israel, and you can visibly be in this covenant, mm-hmm. and you can be called a Christian. You can be um, saved as far as anyone can tell, um, and you can fall away from that. And there's sort of this almost experience, this experiential. Um, uh, circumstance where it it appears that a person has lost their salvation, but that doesn't undermine the the verses that actually talk about regenerated yeah. uh, faith um, adhering people that there, there's can't some, fall away. We we know there's some who will be so disobedient. Yeah, Paul mentions this with the Lord's Supper. Some that are so disobedient, the Lord just had to take them home. Yeah, and but then we see you know. First John two nineteen. Yeah, you know, they went out from among us because they were never of us. Mm-hmm. They went out to expose that they weren't. So, so I think, but but here it becomes. So let's get back to the baptism yeah. because, so for the Baptists, yeah, the mode typically is a major issue. Not for all Baptists. I think you, you look at something like we we're saying Didache. Um, they're you know they're, they're saying if there's not much water, if you're in a desert, right. what are you, what are you going to do? Right. So I would end up saying I think the preferred way, and, and in America today, I think there there'd be no excuse not to. The, right. There's nowhere in America that we we can't Don't find have a, access to water a, to a tub or something that right. Yeah. A pool, but you know you go to the Middle East and you're going to find places you can't find water. So you're not going to find a pool of water. So pouring, it's the it's. I'm less interested in the. The mode, because the mode is what it's about, what it pictures, mm-hmm. right? We go to Romans chapter six. It's, it's picturing that death, burial, and resurrection. Right. I think that you know immersion is going to picture that better. But the real issue is that there's nothing, and we may disagree with this, but because some Presbyterians think that baptism will add grace, uh, not in the way Catholics do. But I, th- I don't think that there's anything. Uh, other than obedience to a command in baptism. I don't think it adds a grace. I don't think that it saves you. I don't think that it... Do you believe the same of the Lord's Supper? Do you believe that when you take the Lord's Supper that you um, you are receiving... Like, you know, we call them the means of grace mm-hmm. in the sense that this is the means by which God gives a person I think, some sort of grace. Yeah, I think where that comes through is in through the self-examination and reflecting on what Christ did on the cross. Mm. I don't 
I don't view it in the same sacramental way um, of it of it being more of a do I think that it by being obedient that we get grace in other words we're more sanctified I think the same is true for baptism with that yes every time we obey the Lord in anything we're going to be moving further in our sanctification which is a steps of grace but yeah I think I think that um, some speak of uh, like sacramentalism with baptism and Lord's Supper where it's it, it's as if the more often you do it just the act of doing it somehow adds grace well the, and, the act of doing it div- divorced from faith is useless so okay. we all we yeah, all we agree, agree on that we agree on that then. but but I think the act of doing it like I, I hear what you're saying you're saying you know there's it, it's a practical thing like your your self-examination all that stuff and I I'm not going to say that's not true, but I think there, there's also subtle things that we don't even realize are happening. Like when we when we say this is the body of Christ and the blood of Christ and we're eating his body and drinking his blood, there's this idea of dependence to to feed on our Savior. That's a psychological thing, I think, that infuses grace in that way. Um, so I think there's a lot of ways that the means of grace uh, give us grace. Now I'm laughing and you're looking at me like, going, okay, what is he laughing at? You're, you're trying to figure if I'm looking at someone... Your, your new movie. You're going to be talking about what principle? The regulative principle. What is the regulative principle? It says that if God uh, does not request something in Scripture, we should not do it. And you apply that to worship, right? Yes. See, I apply that to hermeneutics, that's all. So unless the Scripture says... <laughs> well, there's, there's a thing called good and necessary consequence, and it's where you get the Trinity from. So that word's not in there either. Oh, no, the word doesn't have to be in there, but the teaching is in there. Well, we believe the teaching of, of baptism is in there. So, well, let, so let me actually get to this. So that, that's why I asked you about um, consistency with Judaism. Yeah. So here's sort of, let me paint the picture. Um, so what we're saying about why infants should be baptized. Um, so you go back to Abraham. Mm-hmm. And Abraham was at one point an unbeliever, a, a, essentially a Gentile. And God called him out of his father's household and uh, made a promise to him. And the promise was uh, for a seed. And uh, Abraham believed, and it was a credit to him as righteousness. And then, then as a believer, he received circumcision. And then God told him to circumcise his entire household. So, uh, obviously, when Baptists see the New Testament and they say, well, you know, Peter said, repent, believe, and be baptized, then that means only believers should be baptized, things like that. Um, Obviously, that's not the only place they're pulling that from, but that's the principle they see Mm -hmm. and they emphasize. So, sort of, so what Presbyterians are essentially saying is that day on Pentecost when Peter came out and preached the gospel and all these people were cut to the hearts and they were asking, what what must we do to be saved? These are uh, 3,000 Abrahams, first generation into this religion. So the sign, the sign and seal, which obviously, like as you said, we disagree that that's what it is, but we would say that this, the, the act of baptism is the sign and seal of the religion of Christianity. So just like Abraham was receiving the sign and seal after he had faith, uh, he received the sign. So believers, circumcision. Mm-hmm. And then we're, we're told in the, uh, the Passover account, that if any of the Egyptians wanted to join the, the Jews, they would have to be circumcised, them and their household. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to, 
so there'd be believers circumcision and your household. So in the book of Acts, first generation Christians coming forward receive the sign, 3,000 Abrahams, and then I would say pretty immediately we see the household principle yeah. reintroduced. And that word household is very, very loaded if we it, if we pull it from the Old Testament yeah. where God told well, Abraham let, every, let me, what it means to yeah, be let me, in household. Let me say something for folks yep. who may be Baptists and not understand some of this. Because the, the view that a Presbyterian would have is that the covenant sign is for family, not just an individual. Throughout the Old Testament, I think we both agree that when we look at the sign of the covenant, the sign of the covenant was for families. Right. Um, I would end up saying that's, I think, because God was dealing with a nation and not the individuals. He was dealing with individuals, but he was focused on the nation. Now, I think that there was changes when he, with the new covenant, mm-hmm. and this is, now see, this is where we end up getting into where we disagree some, because, right. see, now, I don't think, I look at the new covenant promise as being the baptism of the Holy Spirit, so now when I look at this, I'm going, that's individual. And so, that's the sign that I end up looking to, because that's the one that, you know, Jeremiah said, and um, what we end up seeing is, I'm looking at this and saying, well, I don't see that sign being said that it's going to be for the family. Now, we both agree, other covenants, they're family. I guess where I'd say is just because all the other covenants had a family component, it doesn't mean the new covenant does. Right. Yeah. And and that's the thing. That's going to be areas where you and I end up disagreeing because of how we approach it. And, and I think that this is important for folks to realize is when, when we look at a lot of the same a lot of texts, you and I are going to have the same conclusions looking at them. Yeah. But you're also going to look at some of these texts, and you're going to look at it from a, a covenant, a familial covenant perspective, where I'm going to look at it as more of an individual perspective, and that's really the difference. Yeah, that's well, a big yeah, part the, of it. the covenant theology is is really what it all comes down to, absolutely. And it, I think it, this might be uh, some clarification for some people out there, too, because, as you mentioned, some people think that you know, we think we're saving our babies or whatever when we baptize them. Um, so the reason an eight-day-old Jewish baby was circumcised wasn't because they were saved. It was because they were in covenant. And in covenant was, I mean, that was the language that sort of encompassed salvation. Salvation was found within being in God's covenant. Um, so they're not uh, they're, separated. They're, they're not regenerate. But they're in a family relationship. They're getting blessings from God by being right. part of Israel. And they're positively viewed by God. Yeah. And positively viewed by one another as God's people. And, and so, in that sense, like you and I were talking before the recording, there is a set up, they're set apart. Right. And, exactly. and that became a big issue that you had brought yeah, up. Yeah. First, first Corinthians seven fourteen, Paul talks about the unbelieving spouse being sanctified or holy, and then the child of the believer being sanctified or so, holy. So G3 has their convention right by the airport? <laughs> yes. Okay. For folks Can you hear that, that in the mic? Oh, yeah, you hear, the, you hear that airplane beautifully in the mic. <laughs> I feel um, like I'm at the U.S. Open. Have you ever been to the U.S. Open? No. I, I used to take my daughter all the time, and, you know, you just can't help. They Every once in a while, you have a plane going right over. Oh, yeah. They try to rework it for those two weeks. Yeah. You got to love when you have a mayor who loves tennis because he, he literally forced the two airports that are right there to be like, no, you're going to reroute. Wow. <laughs> the, uh, for these two weeks, you're rerouting. <laughs> so, so, anyway... Um, 
Uh, oh, so uh, so the, ch- the child wasn't circumcised because they were um, necessarily justified, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there was there was the component was there. It, you were positively viewed, you know, by God. So you wouldn't say the kid's an unbeliever or something like that. So in the New Testament, uh, in in our context, we're not saying that we baptize the child because they're justified. Uh, you baptize a person because they're in covenant. So the reason a, an adult uh, becomes baptized um, isn't necessarily because they're justified. It's because they have they've seen uh, the covenant requirements, which is to submit to Christ as King, to repent, to believe. So those are the requirements to enter covenant. If you're an unbeliever, just like with Abraham, that's yeah. how he needed to understand what God needed, and then he submitted to it, and then he became, uh, you know, God, God's covenant member. So our children aren't baptized because they have necessarily even repented and believed. They're baptized because they are in covenant because they're united to a believer, and that's a principle we say we find in Abraham. We see repeated in First Corinthians seven fourteen. Um, and the household baptisms throughout the book of Acts. And so you're looking at the consistency there. So right. when people say, well, infant baptism is nowhere in the Bible, I mean, you can agree that there, we have no record of an infant being baptized, but you're not making... But the principle is... Yeah, we're saying... You're, you're not making your argument based on, well, I have a scripture verse that says, here, this infant's baptized. And, that, and that's the thing, like, I mean, I remember seeing a, uh, a guy, he had a book, and it was... Um, you know all the passages that have infant baptism, and right. you open it; it's all blank, yeah, and it's yeah. like this thick. Sure. And, and he thinks it's funny, but the problem I have with it is he's misrepresenting the argument. Right. And I mean, you and I may disagree, but I, I don't want to misrepresent your argument and say, "Oh, well, you're you, unless you have a verse that says it." Now, some people will go to the Acts passage and say, you know, with with Paul and the Philippian jailer, and his household was saved. And they'll be like, "Oh, well, household must mean infant." I haven't had infants for a long time, but I have a household. You know, it's like, yeah, it doesn't mean there has to be. Right. It's an argument from silence. But here's the reality: when we look at this, uh, there could have been where they baptized. It, it becomes an argument of silence to say there are or not. Well, but so, that's so, not yeah. the way you're going to build your argument, and that's the thing I want yeah. to focus. Well, so so I mean, the word the word household being used there is, I mean, that's that's a huge thing for us. Because, like I, like I was saying before, that word is loaded from biblic- you, you a biblical so. perspective. Well, <laughs> uh, whenever God spoke about uh, a believer's household being treated, he would always emphasize the slaves, every male child, everyone. Like he would keep saying everyone. I mean everyone when I say household. Yeah. Um, so we see that. We see baptism being okay, given so and then house, the household principle being brought in. And it's like, this. oh, household. So here's his adult slaves. Yeah. Were they baptized? Well, so this goes into sort of, I think, so the easier way to ask that question, I think, uh, because we, we can relate to the context, is, again, First Corinthians seven fourteen. I talked about the children being holy, but the other thing that's mentioned there is the spouse is holy. So should the spouse, the unbelieving spouse, be baptized? So this is my perspective, is they are in covenant through union to the believer. And everyone who's in covenant should be baptized. So the unbelieving spouse should, in quotation marks, be baptized. But 
the unbelieving spouse will probably refuse to be baptized because of their unbelief. And if they did submit to baptism, they'd be demonstrating outward faith, and they'd be submitting to baptism. So uh, it, it, you could basically, uh, you know, Christianity is a nonviolent version of Judaism in a lot of ways. Like we don't we don't deal with our issues the same way. So if you can imagine somebody in Abraham's household, uh, an, uh, a male who needed to be circumcised, saying, "Forget this. I don't believe in your God. I'm out of here." Now you have a covenant member because they're in Abraham's household refusing the sign. And they'd have to flee because they have very bad circumstances. They'd have yeah. very bad consequences. Um, so it's a little different in the New Testament because we don't, you know, we wouldn't, like, kill the person or stone them to death. Um, and, um, yeah, and, and there's also, like, a flipped around thing where if a Jew married a Gentile, they'd become unclean, like a covenant yeah. breaker, right? But it's the opposite in the New Testament, which is very interesting, where if an unbeliever finds themselves married to a believer— the unbeliever becomes holy. That's amazing. Like, like that, that's Christ's holiness, you know, exuding outwards. That's a side, well, side okay, note. So, but here, here's the thing. In mm-hmm. heaven, yeah. neither one of us are going to disagree on this issue anymore. That's true. Uh, neither one of us is actually not going to have baptisms anymore. That's true. No evangelism. <laughs> so, no evangelism. Yep. None of that. So I, I think, I mean, here's the thing. What I always challenge people is to rightly understand the opposite view, mm-hmm. be able to articulate someone else's view before you say they're wrong. I think you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, and, I also and you think, think you're wrong. wrong. <laughs> and, you know, but that's the thing. It's At least there's no misrepresentation. Yes. So, well, thanks for sitting down with us here at the G3 Absolutely. conference. Yeah, a lot um, of fun. Now, you're, you're, I want to give some, uh, some time for you at the end here. So you're, what are you doing down here? You got a new film that you're, you're down here. You have an old film that you're, you're promoting too. So. <laughs> it's, not, it's not too old. It's not like Fonzie old. Dude, it's like a, it's like a year old. And no one gets the Fonzie reference because <laughs> yeah. we didn't record that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, that was just for you. Um, yeah, so I made a movie called Calvinist. Uh, it came out about a year and a half ago. Um, and people seem to like it. It's, if you, if it was good. I got to thank watch you. it. Thanks if you are you. a Calvinist, uh, you'd appreciate it. If you uh, are a Calvinist and you have family members and friends that uh, don't get it and they think you're crazy, I think it's a good good resource for that. And if you're not a Calvinist, it's also a good movie to watch for you just to help you understand. And I think it was a good movie for folks who just start learning about Calvinism. Mm. Because they, they can, throughout the whole thing, go, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. And at the end, you start talking about the, the cage stage, yeah. and they go, oh, no! Oh, no, that's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was all intentional. So, so let's talk about your new film that you got. Yeah. Uh, so I'm currently making a movie called Spirit and Truth, and it's all about uh, reformed worship. So, uh, you know, how, how should we approach God? And is there a better way than the way evangelicalism at large is uh, is doing that? So that's in production now. Pray for me. Wait, wait, wait. Are you saying my my smoke machines and light shows shouldn't be done? Do you, have you blessed them? Yeah, oh, yes. You I, prayed I got, over them? I had a rabbi do it, oh, so that, it's kosher. Oh, oh, I don't <laughs> I was on board for a second, and now I'm not. Yeah, um, yeah so that's the, that's the kind of question. Like, like you know... What's, what kind of principles should be leading the choices we make when we approach God in worship and uh, stuff like that? So that's what it's about. It's a really big topic. It's uh, the source a source of a lot of anxiety in my life right now because uh, there's a you know it's got to tackle it well. I think I think the issue is that not enough people 
want to discuss worship in a serious mode. They want to talk discuss worship as a practical thing, what they want to see in their church. Mm-hmm. To discuss what does God want in our worship, yep. it does, that's not discussed in evangelicalism. Yep. And I think that's, I mean, the thing that I'm looking forward to, uh, your new film coming out, is, is that, is to get people to start going, um, what does God want yep. in worship? That's exactly right. Yeah, we live in a time of patience, where the Lord uh, overlooks a lot of our nonsense, and there was a time when he didn't, <laughs> and he would just strike people dead when they messed around with the worship. So um, that's kind of... Yeah, my, uh, so my, uh, my niece is going to get bat, bat mitzvahed. Clearly, I thought you were going to say baptized. No. Uh, so <laughs> they, uh, we've gotten more liberal in Judaism. So now the girls can get bat mitzvahed as you get more oh, and more liberal. Oh, yeah. That is like and, a liberal event, yeah. isn't it? That's yeah. been around for a while, though, right? Yeah. I, I, even conservative Jews, I think, will now allow women to, to, to get bat mitzvahed. So, wow. But her, her, uh, her Torah reading uh, happens to be the same as my Torah reading, which was kind of neat. Hmm. But... Uh, Part of the Torah reading is going to deal with um, when the sons of Aaron went into the uh, offer the wrong type of offering, yeah. And God said, "No, you're not going to do that. I'm taking your life." Yeah. So barbecue. Um, yeah, yeah. And so she was like, "I don't understand this." So over Thanksgiving, I sat down and got a chance to explain that. She's like, "Oh, that's." I said, "Yeah, they're representing. They're, they're leaders of God's people. They." They can't just go in and do their own thing. They have to represent God his way. This isn't Messianic family. No. no. Okay, no, so you're just no. talking to a straight-up no, Jewish I'm talking, yep, to, um, straight-up Jewish family. Well, well, okay, my sister married a Gentile, so they're not completely straight-up. But, okay. but, but, yeah, my, I, I was, like, having this conversation and going, oh, I'm going to be hearing it when my sister finds out. But... I assume you worked Jesus in there somewhere. Yeah, we we talked about a, a little bit, and um, you know, the you know my family has it's it's an interesting relationship, uh, aren't they all? Yeah, and um, it's it's hard to to vandalize. Yeah, uh, you know, it's your own family always, but uh, there's a just a wall that gets put up. Mm-hmm. But uh, but anyway, yeah, so, so thanks for coming out. It's uh, good to, to hang with you here for a couple minutes and talk to you here at the conference. Yeah, I think yeah we just met face to face a couple well, hours ago. Well, we actually someone introduced us two years ago. Oh, okay. You didn't know who I was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who you were, and we we're just mm-hmm. like, yeah, okay, high five, bye, see you. Mm-hmm. And it was just a face in the crowd. Yeah. Um, but this is the first time we've actually having known who each other is to see face to face and sit down and talk. Yeah, Actually, this is the pleasure. first we sat face-to-face and talked. Yeah. That's true. So, thanks for coming in. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, so that was a good discussion that we had with Les. As you can see, we got along, we didn't fight, we disagree, and that's perfectly fine. We can agree to disagree on the topic of baptism. We won't disagree forever. There'll be a day in heaven we'll all agree on the topic. But that is the way we should discuss it. We should discuss our differences with charity, understanding each other's perspective. Before we get into the next interview and discuss a great event and a great organization, Sports Fan Outreach International, and their Super Bowl outreach that's coming up, 
I want to let folks know that this is part of this podcast is part of the Christian podcast community. There has been some big news going on with the community. If you've been paying attention, we have taken my rap report. We've split the rap report daily. That's that Monday through Friday, two minute episodes. Those are now on its own feed, rap report daily. But the big news is that Justin Peters will be starting to podcast again. He's named his podcast Didache, so you would be able to find that by searching for Justin Peters or search for Didache, anywhere where iTunes is. It's not set up yet, I don't believe, in Google Play and the others, but it's coming. So you know that you can find it at least in iTunes. Keep looking for it. I'm sure he's going to be sharing it. The others is the other news is Theology Gals is part of the Christian podcast community now. And Theology Answers has not been podcasting so much recent, but there may be news with them because they may be getting on the radio, which means they'll have to podcast more often. So they're going to be podcasting a lot more. We have So You Want to Be a Podcaster that'll be starting up probably in February. But with that, let me mention, these are all podcasts you can subscribe to. You can also subscribe to the Christian Podcast Community Podcast. Why would you want to do that? Well, that's going to have everything on there. That's probably too much. But January 28th on the Christian Podcast Community feed will be the Christian Podcast Community Awards, the 2018 Awards for Best Christian Podcast and Grest best Christian podcast episode. So be looking forward to that. That will be an announcement that we'll have. We'll probably be sharing it all over social media. Hopefully others will too, so that you can find out about those awards and check out some really great podcasts to be listening to. Now, you say, well, I would like to be part of the Christian podcast community. Great! We're about to open up for applications. We have seven podcasts right now, and we, have, we haven't opened up to, uh, to have four applications. That process is going to be starting now. So we're, in, in about a week or two, going to have the website set up where we'll be able to take your applications. It'll go through our process of evaluation, and then you too may be a podcaster on the Christian Podcast Community. Why be on with them? Well, why to be on with us? The basic reason would be because we are a community of podcasters looking to promote and help one another rather or more so than ourselves. It's a crazy idea, I know. Christians promoting others, working to serve others rather than self. Crazy idea in this age of social media, but we kind of think it's biblical. So check out all of the podcasts that we have. You can... Go, if you're in Facebook, to the Christian Podcast page, Christian Podcast Community page, like that. That's where we're going to be posting different announcements and news. So when we add new podcasts, that'll be a place you can check it out. We'll also be dropping them on the feed for the Christian Podcast Community. So now let's get to Sports Fan Outreach International. Let me let you know up front that as we're in a convention hall, you will hear a lot of people around. It's going to be more so than the previous interview with Les because Les and I recorded before the conference actually started when it was just the exhibitors in there. This You're going to hear a lot of people walking around and talking. And so 
if you're like me and you pick up all those voices, it can be distracting. Very few people are like that, so it just is something you'll have to be aware of. Try to tune in. This is a great ministry, so check out my discussion. Okay, so we're here at G3 with Jason McGall from Sports Fan Outreach International. Now, I'm going to warn you guys, he actually happens to be a personal friend, so we might just might joke around a little bit, because um, that's the kind of friends I have. So, <laughs> so Jason, it's good seeing you out here. You've been out here a couple of years with Sports Fan Outreach International. So first thing, introduce yourself and let folks know about Sports Fan Outreach International and what you guys do. All right, Andrew, uh, Jason McGow been with a sports fan doing the Super Bowl outreaches for about, this will be my sixth Super Bowl, uh, and I've been at the G3, this is my third year, um, helping out Bill at his booth, uh, trying to promote Sports Fan Outreach International and try to get guys who are interested in evangelism, open air, attracting and all that, uh, to come along to one of our events and uh, hopefully labor alongside of them, so... So for folks who may know the Super Bowl as a Sunday event where they throw some ball around and a lot of people pay a lot of money for it, <laughs> you don't actually go to the game per se. What is it that you guys are going to do? And, and I'm, I'm asking this, but you already know I've attended many of them yes, myself. You have, but yeah. my audience may not know. So describe for folks what we see when we go to these events. They're not on Sunday. We actually are there. Sunday kind of is the wrap-up. We're right. there for a lot longer. So describe the event. Of the Super Bowl outreach? Well, beginning usually on Thursday, a couple days before Sunday, we'll register. Uh, we'll hear the team leaders speak on the uh, uh, subject that they've been given beforehand to kind of teach us, and then we'll lead in through some prayer and uh, go to sleep that night. And then the next day, we wake up to uh, some early morning prayer, and uh, we'll spend an hour about doing that. And then uh, this year, we have the pleasure of having Josh Bice. Uh, who is running G3, who runs it every year, uh, teaching us for the next few days uh, on, I can't remember the subject, but usually gets a subject or a topic, and I'll remember when I get there, but usually he'll get a topic or a subject, and then they'll teach on that for the first part of the morning. Then we'll grab some lunch or a sack lunch, and then we'll hit the street, uh, you know, usually around noon until about 7 or 8 at night, depending on, uh, you know, our circumstances that we got going on. And then we'll do that for two days, and then, like you said, we'll wrap up on Sunday. Whatever kickoff time is, usually around 1 or 6, depending on the uh, time frame, wherever we're at, and then we'll head home from there. So it's, a, it's about three and a half days worth of uh, teaching, praying, fellowship, and evangelism. So. Now, the folks that are there, the, these are people, and because this is the thing that was new to me when I started, when I first came out to one, I didn't realize the NFL has this whole NFL experience they do for right. a whole week, pretty much. Yeah. Leading up to the Super Bowl, it just gets bigger and bigger each day. That's right. Up until really Saturday is the big day. Sunday is, is a game day. Go to the game, yeah. So, but what do people expect? What do you see? When, who are the people who are coming out to this event? And what are you guys as evangelists seeing as you're out there? Well, I would say the first part of the people that come out during the beginning of the week are usually like the locals and stuff like that and then there are the stragglers who come in uh, from out of town from all over the country uh, and sometimes not even their team might not be playing and they just might be coming to the Super Bowl because they love it um, and so during that week you'll see the festivities and so the fans that we're ministering to obviously the, the, the crowds will increase throughout the day and um, you'll see more and more of that as we do get closer to the game and so as they're flowing in and out, the, our hopes 
our, you know, God's word would not return void and that he'll use us as vessels to get his word out to each person that passes by throughout that whole week. Uh, and then, um, you know, on Sunday, you know, the big game will be down on the stadium. It's the atmosphere of the game, everybody's excited. You know, they want their team to win. And, of course, nobody really remembers what happens the next day, but that's all right. Uh, so that's there, our job. But there are, like, thousands of people who end up showing up, and they're not going to make it to the game. Most of right. them. I mean, that's the thing that so many people don't even know is that it's not the people going to the game that show up to this. That's right. There's so many people who are just going for the festivities, right. for the atmosphere that's there. Right. And there's people that actually fly in just for the NFL mm-hmm. experience. It's true. And so, you know, when we think about that and we look at that, there's just a lot of people that you have an opportunity to evangelize to, just thousands of tracks to give out. That's right. And now Sports Fan Outreach International has done more than just the Super Bowl. Sure. Right? So you guys go to a lot of sporting events. Why sporting events? Um, well, the crowd flow is consistent. So you will always have crowds, you know, no matter what sporting event it is, whether it's NHL All-Star Game or NBA All-Star Game or the Pro Bowl, there's always a consistent crowd of people and a steady stream of people. Plus, uh, most likely these are people, you know, we're not trying to judge them, but these are people that would most likely not go into a church to hear about Christ. So we take it to them, being that they're going to be, we know they're going to be there, there's a time set that they're going to be there. And so it just makes a perfect way of scheduling everything out. Uh, so that we can't miss those souls, if that makes sense. So <clears throat> when we, we think about this, I mean, uh, there's some folks that are like, hey, look, open-air evangelism, not yeah. for me. Sure. The biggest thing I think that we get to do when we go to these events are tracks. Yeah, they are. Good. I think they actually, and you're not really talking to folks. So, right. I mean, to me, this becomes a really good event for people that want to do some evangelism. Right. But they don't want to actually, they're afraid to have the conversations. Mm-hmm. They definitely are not going to get up on a box. Yeah. Right? right. So for, for someone that has the fear of evangelism, do you think this becomes a good event just because of the tract aspect of it? Well, you know, just talking about training and things like that, uh, the past two years they've had Tommy Waltz from Gospel of God Ministry and uh, Scott Smith from Schoolmaster Ministries hosting a training beforehand. Uh, before the 5 o'clock registration on Thursday, there will be a group of people who have never done open air or never done any type of evangelism that can be joined with Tommy and Scott Smith, and they'll teach them sort of the the way to get involved and the way to, you know, here's how you hand a tract, you know, smile at them or maybe say this, you know, because some people just get out there and what do I do? And so that's an important thing I think you should have or should go to. So if you decide to join us this year, you know, come early and hang out with these guys and they'll teach you those sorts of things but like you said to answer your question it is a good stepping stone i mean that's how i began i was terrified i didn't didn't know what i was doing and who are all these you know who are all these men out here why why are they doing this and what do i do next and so watching you guys and having the opportunity to see your boldness was a chance for me myself personally to see that hey this can be done and 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 this is what God's called you to do and and inside your soul you're burning to share Christ this might be a good platform for you yeah and one of the things that you know Bill Adams who runs Sports Fan Average International is probably one of the most organized men he sure is (laughs) that I've ever met that's true Uh, I mean he's got everything figured out down to a T and but the thing is that you know with this one of the things he's done with this organization the organizing of it is he and you mentioned earlier the team leaders 
every team has a team leader. Right. And he, you know, he really focuses on pouring into the team leaders. Right. So the team leaders pour into their teams. That's right. And that is really helpful. I found that to be helpful. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been a team leader, I forget how many years, four or five years, I yeah. think. But it was so helpful because you always knew as a team leader, mm-hmm. you could, if there's issues, anything, you could always go right to Bill. Right. And yet, for those that are on the team, we we had a pretty solid team that came back each year and yeah. was regulars, and but we'd always get some new folks. That's right. And the newer people always, be, especially because you have that team leader mm-hmm. who has been doing this for a while, it was just always good because I would always know, okay, here are the new folks. Here's a team who's been doing this year after year after year. Yeah. They're good on their own. Right. I got to spend more time just training on the street, mm-hmm. letting someone have a conversation, right. and they get stuck. They pull me into the conversation, and afterwards it becomes a, it becomes a discipling time of just, right. hey, what did I do wrong there? Mm-hmm. Okay, this is you know, did you see what I did here? Did you see this is a way of doing it? Yeah. Or maybe try this. And so I think it's really a good outreach because not only because the most important thing we're getting the gospel out, right? But it's because it becomes a good training field right. for folks who just don't know how to evangelize or don't want to evangelize. Now, I know this, and I'm going to ask how you feel about it, but I know that when we get out with the larger numbers, and, and you know, Super Bowl is usually, what, about 100, 10, 120, yeah, roughly? Yeah, a little, so it's around 100 or more people. Yeah. And as we look at that... There's just an ease mm-hmm. in evangelizing when you know you're on a team of 15 people. Yeah. You're out with several teams that make up 100 people, and they're on every corner. <laughs> it's so much easier to share the gospel. It's so much easier to be bolder. I mm-hmm. think. Do you find that to be case with your different teams that you've had? Oh, sure, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I've had the privilege. This is my sixth Super Bowl coming up, and so the five one, the five I've done before have always seemed to be the most relaxing my first one was in New York and so I mean, and, and New York was wonderful yeah it was a great time and I actually <laughs> got to see it was warm yeah, I don't know about that but <laughs> um, well I got to see like all sorts of different styles I got to see you know Tommy Waltz or and, and Mike Stockwell and and um, Tom Sadowski and then we walked yeah, right. we came over to where your team was and uh, I can't remember the square name with the big clock up there Oh, the, okay, that's Union Square. Union Square. And yeah. and you had been there before, and so there was atheists that remembered you, and you knew their name. And, and I got to see, you know, the one-on-one style that you guys do. You know what I'm saying? So I got to see every aspect. And so that first Super Bowl was like, I was in awe. But it, I was so relaxed, like you said, because I was around, I felt safe, and I, I felt like, okay, these guys got my back. And it's sort of like a, it's a brotherhood. Yeah. And then you start to learn about these men, and, and then you either, you know, build relationships with them throughout the years or you know you, God calls you to do something else yeah. which that's fine also so. but, and, uh, and yeah. that's the thing you know, I've been going to Union Square in New York for I think going on 13 years now yeah see that and that so I love New York because yeah. I mean we had we have mostly a New York team right I mean the New York was the easiest yeah, Super Bowl for me because yeah. I'm just like alright yeah. we had our fast walkers or slow walkers or you know so it's like we we could just say okay we, we all know meet here meet there we all knew that where we were going yeah. I just had to make sure there was someone with the, the folks right. that didn't know their way around New York. Yeah. But that's the thing I think that's always so good about doing those bigger evangelism events. Yeah. 
it is so easy mm-hmm. to evangelize because of the fact that you feel emboldened when you have all your buddies. That's true, and it's it's, it's like the it's like and I'm, I'm I have a military background, so I understand. I was you know, stationed on on a submarine, and so we were talk about tight knit group of guys, and so we had to have each other's backs, and so I kind of affiliated a little bit with what we do now is. is when we're out there, somebody's got your back, you know, and I've heard of instances of guys, people, you know, this guy took a punch for me, you know, or Mike Stockwell seems to be a punching bag for everybody, so. Well, Mike's just a big guy. Yeah. We, we, had, so, yeah. we had one event where Mike was up and some guy was just drunk. Yeah. And he wanted to chase after Mike. <laughs> I'm like, Trouble you know, falls and, him, you and know. Mike, didn't, Mike didn't know any of this happened. Wow. The guy comes running mm. and I see him and he's just charging and I just literally stepped right into the way, just to the side, <laughs> put my foot out, made it look like it was purely accidental. Oh. The guy just fell flat oh, on his face. Man. And he just, you know, and his buddy came, pick, you know, picked him up yeah. and just was like, I'm like, oh, dude, are you okay? Let me help you up. <laughs> and his buddy picks him up with me and like, dude, you're not doing so well. And he yeah. just like, oh, well, let's get out of here. Let's yeah. get out of here. And I'm like, okay, we just avoided that problem. Yeah. And that's a good example of how everybody's got each other's bastards, always no. looking for, you know, trouble to be around. So. I'll say that that was actually, yeah. that, that was an event. It wasn't Swords Fan Outreach International. Oh, okay. Uh, it, it was a different, it was Fall for Greenville. Oh, and, well, uh, been a part of that too. So yeah, that was... and it was just, that, that was a festival where there was a lot of drunks. Yeah. You don't get as much of that at the Super Bowl because they don't allow the drinking right. on the street. Right. And, and that's the difference. Like we had it, it was at a festival where yeah. people are drinking. Oh, I know about Greenville, so that's yeah. definitely. <laughs> so, uh, so what do you look at this year's coming up where? Because I, 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 follow, I follow sports big time. Yeah. And, uh. Yeah, so, so it's here it's, in Atlanta. It's here in Atlanta. Yeah, so I mean, I'll, I'll be That's back be here warm. a week and a half. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Way better than last year. We were in Minnesota last Minnesota year. Minnesota was, yeah. yeah, that was brutal, man. But hey, God's still providential, you know, and sets us up there. You know, hopefully, men and women heard the gospel while we we're up there too. So. And, and the thing, you know, I'll tell you why I think for people who are nervous with evangelism, I'll give you a couple reasons why. Yeah, Sports Fan Average International Super Bowl event is so important. One is, as we said, the camaraderie, yeah. the fact that you're surrounded by people. I think another is at a Super Bowl, there's so much security that you don't have to worry about what we had at Fall for Greenville. They're not going to let anything like that right, happen. Right. They're, you know, they have they have undercover police. They have, you know, they're right. watching mm-hmm. for everything mm-hmm. because. You know, the city can't have anything happen. That's right. It's, a, it's the NFL's biggest thing of the year. And if, if, if there starts being problems, mm-hmm. the NFL doesn't want to come back to the That's city. Right. Yep. So you don't have to worry about a lot of that stuff mm-hmm. because they just, it's, they bring it, make sure that all that's taken care of. And then it's just, if you get stuck, you get a question you don't have an answer yeah. to, there's someone on your team that's that right. has the answer. Yep. You know, and they go just, right to them. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing that I end up noticing and seeing. That's, I, I just think it's a great event. I, I love Bill Adams, the, the guy who organizes it. I love you, but I don't want to announce that on, on live radio. <laughs> that's oh, all right. I'm surprised I'm even it. here talking to you. So, it's all right. <laughs> no, just, so, any last words you want to say before you sign off? Nah, just uh, if you know, hopefully this will come out before you know registration ends. But if not, there's the Kentucky Derby. Uh, and there's sporting events all over uh, the country that you can go to. So go to www.sfoi.org. Uh, check on the events tabs throughout the year. He tries to stay a year in advance for all the events. So uh, there's plenty of stuff coming up, plenty of things to do in your part of the country and get involved. And, so. and what you just said there, at your part of the country, because Bill has organized teams across yeah, the country at different sporting events. And so even if you're saying, well, I can't do Super Bowl outreach, 
there's something in your area. Yeah. There's, a, there's a ball field somewhere by you. That all you over the world, to. too. He's, yeah. he's been in London, oh, yeah. the I've Cricket gone, Cup, all that. You went to I've London, to, right? I went to London yeah. for the Olympics. I went to yeah. uh, Toronto oh, yeah. for um, the whole of – it was uh, the whole um, – The Great Cup or the, something? No, the uh, NBA. That was – okay, dude, that NBA. was the cold uh, – oh, Okay, we'll, we'll wrap up with this. <laughs> yeah. We'll wrap up with this. So we go to there, and I have never been – it was like 22 below mm. zero. It was so cold. There, at the last day, we had good, good crowds earlier, but it got colder and colder and colder. That last day was so cold. It was it was Bill and myself, and I think it was Skip. And we're just sitting there, and we ended up taking turns. We said, okay, one yeah. guy's on the box for 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. Another guy, whoever just got off the box, goes inside to warm up. Yeah. For, for 20 minutes and the next guy gets ready hands out tracks while right. all the guys preaching because it, it got down it was just three of us at that station wow. and what ended up happening was I'm up there it starts snowing I'm literally I was glad that I had the waterproof bible that you guys offer yeah, yeah. but I had my waterproof bible and it starts snowing and I'm looking and I'm, I'm brushing the snow off as I'm reading the text of the scripture yeah. and I literally it's so cold. My my eyes started like I'm, I'm wiping the the, the snow <laughs> off of my eyes, yeah. and my eyelids actually froze, froze. shut. And uh, I literally had to use my fingers to separate them. Oh man! And I looked at Bill, and I'm like, I'm done. Yeah, like <laughs> like my eyes are freezing shut. Go. He goes, Yeah, I think we're done here. <laughs> yeah, hey, Jason, know. it was good yeah, having you here, thanks, man. and uh, looking forward to this yeah, year's yeah, Super Bowl man. outreach. Yeah, man. So, Thank folks, you. check out S. F-O-I dot org stands for Sports Fan Outreach International. Check them out, find an event in your area, and go get involved. All right, so I would hope that you would go and check out the Super Bowl outreach. If you get a chance, maybe that would be a new event for you. It is a great event, especially if you are not someone who has gone out on major evangelism outreaches before. We hope that you enjoyed the rap report this week. We'll have some more interviews coming up as we go through this month, some more that we got from G3, so be checking them out. We got one special one for folks who are fans of Iron Sharpens Iron. That will be a special episode that we'll have coming up that uh, we did something really special there. And so something that people don't usually get to hear. So stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe to The Rap Report. Do us a favor. You can write a review for us. You can share this with friends. That's the best thing to do. We're, we're excited that this podcast this week popped up into the top 200 of all episodes within the category of religion and spirituality. That was really exciting. We're glad that we made it up into the top 200 of all podcasts in religion and spirituality. Actually, that was, sorry, that was under the Christianity section, which is the largest category under religion and spirituality. We were within the top 400 within the religion and spirituality, which is a pretty big category, just so you get an idea. Religion and spirituality is the largest category within iTunes. It is like twice as large as the next largest one. So it's a big deal to get it, to be high up in that. So we thank you guys. It's because a lot of people are subscribing and sharing this. So if the best thing you could do is share this podcast with others, encourage them to subscribe, 
but you can write a review as well. We appreciate those when we read those. And so one of the latest ones that we got, I don't know if I read this or not, but this is from C. John's 7777. The response is thorough. Andrew does a great job of taking time and viewing many different sides of a story as well as thoroughly explaining his beliefs. So thank you, C. John's 7777. If you want your review read, well, you'd have to write it. You can email us if you have any comments or questions about this podcast at info at strivingforeternity.org. Until next time, remember to make today an eternal day for the glory of God. This podcast is part of the Striving for Eternity ministry. For more content or to request a speaker or seminar to your church, go to strivingforeternity.org.